0: Hey, I don't know if you know this, but there are still VIP tickets left for Keto Fest. What, really? Yeah, I'm telling you. Just
1: go to ketofest.com. Get your tickets now. Well, how long do I have? Well, you want to make sure you get them before they go away. So get there now. All right, thanks. Bye. <music>
0: Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut. I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes and lose weight. And now it's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking for yourself is necessary for keto success. Oh, and sausages.
2: Sausages!
0: Sausages!
2: And I'm Carrie Brown, and I also live in Connecticut, just a different part to Carl. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar two disorder and depression. Yeah, I take no medi- <laughs> yay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious but it can be better than any other kind of food.
0: And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis.
2: And also our experiences reversing diabetes and depression and feeling better than we ever have before.
0: And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking.
2: Now, we don't give medical advice because
0: we're not doctors. Right. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it.
2: Oh, and guanciale.
0: Yeah, guanciale, otherwise known as cured hog jowl. Yum. We share our recipes and any science we find in the show notes.
2: My favorite part, recipes.
0: Right. So let's start podcast number 169, Cancer Treatment May Be Harming You. Ooh, don't you want to know why?
2: I do. But before we get into that, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is.
0: Sure, that's any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. The way we did it was to limit our carbohydrates to 20 grams or less every day, have a moderate amount of protein, 1 to 1.5 grams for every kilogram we have of lean body mass, and all our energy comes from fat. Fat? Fat. Yes, fat. And if you're just starting out, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com or just start listening from episode 1. All right, Carrie, what's been new with you? What's what's new and good?
2: Well, a recurring theme, ice cream. Ice
0: cream again?
2: More <laughs> ice cream because uh Miriam Bear and Holly Larrabee from Keto Chow are here with me in my little forest in Connecticut mm-hmm. along with our favorite chef Taffy Elrod. Chef Taffy we Yeah, Taffy. We are having a working girls weekend. We're going to be videoing and doing recipes and having a whole bunch of fun, but they're here. And so I got a favorite flavor from each of them and I've been churning ice cream so that uh, we can have a bit of an ice cream fest after the work is
0: done. So awesome. Wish I could be there. I got, I got stuff to do in the studio tonight.
2: So there's that. And then um, earlier in the week, I had a lovely girlfriend fly in from Seattle mm. for a couple of days. So we got to h- hang out. And, uh, she actually, actually helped me with a lot of house stuff. So that wow. was super cool. Nice. Um, it's always, work always feels better when there's someone you really enjoy being with around at the same time. Yeah, great. And then, of course, you and I scurried up to Boston to meet with Professor Thomas Seafried mm. to do this interview. And the interview was fantastic, but also the drive, <laughs> the, the, the community that surrounds the Boston College is absolutely beautiful. And the weather was gorgeous and the blossoms were all out. And so it was a lovely drive as well. So uh, a little foray into Boston was was a lovely way to spend the day. Agreed. So that was my week. What have you been up to?
0: Well, um, not much happened other than my regular work this week, uh, except that I went to Boston, of course. Now, I brought... My nephew Alec with me to meet the professor. Now, he has a degree in biology and he's just been out of school for only a year or so. His grandmother died from cancer and he was doing biogenetics at school and actually growing cancer cells in the lab. So, he's into the genetics part as much as the biology. I sent him Dr. Seyfried's videos and he was at first skeptical and then he remembered how he grew cancer cells in the lab with glucose right? He was like, oh, yeah. And he looked into the science a bit more and he completely gets it now. So he wanted to come up and meet the prof, which he thoroughly enjoyed. And afterward, we went to dinner at Fogo de Chão in Copley Square. And that's a Brazilian steakhouse where the meat just keeps coming until you say, stop. And he'd never been to a place like that before, and he loved it. But you you weren't able to join us. You had to get back to uh, prepare for this weekend, right?
2: I did, but I was super happy that I got to meet Alec. He's a a lovely young man, and um, he clearly had a a lot of fun uh, meeting the professor and and Mm. hanging out with us. So, really, it was a really lovely day.
0: He's a brilliant guy, too. All right, it's time to give away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug to one lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club, which you can join for free at fanclub.twoketo.com. So who's the
2: winner this week?
0: This week's winner is Jamie Rhodes.
2: Oh, is that Mrs. Rhodes?
0: Yes, she actually bought a Keto Fest live stream ticket last year, as it turns out. But uh, now she's won a mug just Yay! for being a member of the fan club
2: well done congratulations jamie yeah and if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug you can get one online at gear.2keto.com
0: okay i guess it's time for me to read a mail, no, so
2: way, mail
1: baby, oh, <laughs> um,
2: okay so who has written us a letter this week carl
0: Well, this isn't quite one letter. It's more like 90 posts in a thread on the Ketogenic Forum. That's apropos to our topic. It's our keto and cancer stories. And basically, somebody started the thread in 2017 and said, uh, I just wanted a place where we could share our stories of uh, our cancers and, and what we've done about them. There's so many great stories. I'll just read one of them. This is from uh, Sandy, and she says, Hello, I'm a seven-year triple-negative breast cancer survivor. Diagnosed at 40. Mom died of breast cancer at 44. So I've been exploring options for prevention of a recurrence for several years. Wow! I did add eight-plus servings of vegetables per day after my diagnosis, including broccoli sprouts, but found paleo in January 2017 and keto in September 2017. And when searching for weight loss and overall health options, I found keto. I had previously followed a book called The Anti-Cancer Diet, which was basically a Mediterranean diet, along with removing plastics, toxic household chemicals, exercise, and stress reduction, similar to the non-food-based lifestyle recommendations in the Naisha Winters book. Uh, We've interviewed Naisha Winters before. I have also read Tripping Over the Truth and followed Dom D'Agostino, Thomas Seyfried, and Walter Longo interviews. I feel a hundred times better switching to keto. My body loves the fats, and I'm so happy to not eat beans or quinoa anymore. (laughs) I have lost 50 pounds and hope to lose another 40. I raise my own chickens for eggs and grow many low-carb greens in my garden. I'm constantly striving to continue to improve my health and finally feel like I've found a lifestyle that works for me with reduced asthma symptoms, less arthritis, and much easier weight loss. I also don't have the impending sense of doom that I once had about cancer. Sandy.
2: That, that's an amazing story. Um, I do still have beans in my house mm-hmm. because I use them to fill up little cute little bags that I use as doorstops. <laughs> <laughs> See, beans do have a place in the world.
0: So um, this thread is full of great stories, and a lot of them bring up Thomas Seyfried and uh, Uh, and and others that that he talks about. So I just wanted to bring everybody to, you know, who's interested in cancer. Maybe you have cancer, maybe you've been newly diagnosed, maybe you're a survivor. I would just encourage you to, um, you know, get on that thread and uh, meet everybody else there. It's a nice community.
2: We'll we'll put the, the link in the show notes so that it's easy for you to find.
0: Absolutely. All right. I guess it's time for us to uh, play the interview that we did yesterday with Professor Thomas Seyfried in his office at Boston College. Professor Seyfried, it's a pleasure to be in your office again, sir. No,
1: thank you. It's nice to have you here.
0: And uh, I brought my cohort, Carrie Brown, with me this time.
2: Pleasure to meet you, sir. Nice meeting you, Carrie. It's a very beautiful campus and the neighborhood is lovely.
1: Well, we're getting ready for graduation. They graduate on Monday. Yeah. So when you pay um $70,000 a year to go here. That answers your question?
2: I just had that question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the parents want to see something that's worth $70,000. Right? Yeah. I guess so. So you look at the campus and it's the most beautiful campus in the in the entire Boston area. It is beautiful. As and a parent
0: of a grad, would you say, "Hey, I bought that fountain right there?"
1: <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> probably you could say at least some of your money went there. Yeah you know. Hopefully uh,
0: some went to your research. No,
1: unfortunately it doesn't go to the research. They they're very they're very different about that. Most of the money goes for grass flowers and this kind of stuff.
0: Well, I've asked you last time I was here if somebody wanted to donate to your research. Yeah. How, you would, you said through Boston College.
1: Well, Boston College um it depends on the type of gift. If it's a, a a larger gift and you really want it 100% to go to me, you have to fill out all different kinds of paperwork. Oh, but it
0: is possible. Yeah.
1: But what most of the people do is they, they donate to Travis Christofferson's foundation, okay. which is the um, Foundation for Metabolic Therapies. And uh, we have a standing grant hmm. uh, with his foundation yeah. where 100% of the money goes directly to me. How Whereas good. if I just give it to me through BC, the university will take a cut. All right. uh, so I don't get it all. And you'll be paying for grass and funds. I'm paying for the grass. and the. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> They're
1: uh, very uh, lovely grass and funds. Oh, it's oh, Very lovely. No, I mean, Father Leahy, the president of the university, has a special affection for the, 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 the way the campus appears. Mm-hmm. So he's constantly monitoring the entire campus for mm-hmm. any, anything that's kind of out, of out of the ordinary. Makes it all come. Everything has to be color coordinated. It blooms at different times. Um, you know, it's just, it's just incredible. But uh, they, they received a $10 million grant um, to do all that stuff. Wow. But, you know, a lot of it goes. But, you know, the parents are coming up here on Monday. You know, they mm. they want to see what it's like. And right. Fortunately, Monday will be a nice day, I think. It's going to be warm because sometimes these days can be horrible. And you really can't see anything except cold rain. Right. But, but you know, I, I think it's, uh, you come to the, the, this is probably the best the campus will look uh, all year. Yeah. It's just before graduation. Right. So Monday they graduate. All the parents will be coming this weekend. So it's got to look you know the best and it does
0: so the last time so where we left off last time i was here we we discovered that um cancer ferments fuel cancer cells ferment glucose and glutamine right and uh and your research shows that i remember you saying you've never seen a cancer cell that can withstand that can live and or thrive and not die in the lack of those things those
1: fermentable those fermentable fuels yeah it's not complicated yeah it's not that complicated and i
0: also asked you whether there was um any kind of uh, medication or you can take or whatever to suppress glutamine mm. is, is there any change in that yeah you're working a, on something well
1: there's a couple of drugs uh, on the market that are coming out um uh you'll see them more and more uh, drug uh drugs that are targeting glutaminolysis which is the pathway okay um what we're surprised is that oftentimes they don't they don't also target the glucose, yeah, so it's like having the front door and you have a front door and back door, yeah, you know if if you wanna if you wanna you know keep you have to you have to lock both doors. Right. In order to, to, to win the game. Yeah. Um, so you can't allow the glucose to come in the front door and, and block the, the, the glutamine from the back door.
0: And so I was talking to my nephew, Alec, who's with us, um, who's uh, studying biology, studied biology at university and uh, is very interested in this stuff. He, he had a good question, which is, what, uh, is it that every cancer cell ferments partly glucose and partly glutamine or do, is there some variance? I, I, I
1: think they do both. Um, to to we we haven't found any tumor cell that can that uh, doesn't use glutamine. All right, and we haven't found any cancer cell that doesn't also use glu- glucose.
0: And is there a ratio a yeah, golden I, ratio?
1: I, yeah, th- it's some cells like some of the immune system cells have a really great propensity for glutamine. Metastatic cancers especially. You right, know, They're part of the immune system, so they take in a lot of, glut- of glutamine.
0: And yet we've seen people who just go on a ketogenic diet, walk away from stage four brain cancer that is clearly metastasized.
1: Yeah. What we seem to see is that these people can live a lot longer. Um, the quality of life is better. Mm. I'm not saying um, – like, so overall survival and progression-free survival are better. Mm. Does it represent a resolution in the true sense of – Okay, I'm cancer free now. Right. I'm, I can't be sure that's going to be the the general rule by just targeting glucose. Sure. It it works much better in humans than it does in the mice. So um, yeah, we've never been able to keep our mice alive for as long as we're keeping humans alive with the with the metabolic therapy. Interesting. Yeah. So the mice have a very high basal metabolic rate. You know, if we can get a mouse to live 40 to 50 days uh, when the controls would be dead at 14 or 15 days, that's a huge advance for a mouse. Um, but humans, like Pablo Kelly, I mean, he's still, right. Pablo is still doing well. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's now, this summer he'll be five years out.
0: Right. I was thinking of Andrew Scarborough.
1: Andrew didn't have a uh, a glioblastoma. Oh, he didn't? He had a, well, it might be close, an uh, 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 advanced glioma. Oh. But it didn't. From what I understand, it was never histologically classified as a GBM. But I Pablo know, You're was. probably the
0: only one in the room, and Alec, who knows what that means. <laughs> what is? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> what is? What is the difference between a glioblastoma and a? And oh well, they, you well
1: you know it's, they use the same simplistic formula for every kind of a cancer. Stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. Oh, okay. All right. So a GBM glioblastoma is stage four brain cancer in general. Stage three. Is considered anaplastic astrocytoma, stage three. It doesn't have as many mitotic figures as you would see in a GBM, and it also doesn't sometimes have the the degree of distal invasion that you would see in a GBM. So you live a little longer, but in, invariably uh, that's a pretty dismal uh, long term longer term prog- prognosis. So Andrew, but Andrew is out now. I mean, he's he's further along than most people would have been in his situation. I, he might be even five years now. I'm not sure. Yeah. But Pablo for sure, because we have we have the data on him and,
0: um, and give me a brief history of Pablo again?
1: Yeah, well Pablo now interestingly enough, we just published uh, a major paper in um, neurochemical research um, showing how the standard of care is actually responsible for the demise of the majority of brain cancer patients. I know this is pretty controversial. you have to yeah. be honest with you. Um, and in that paper, we had a link to Pablo, and this is the first time I've ever linked in in a, in a standard, traditional uh, academic, scientific journal a link to um, someone's Facebook page, you know, <laughs> and, and and also to uh, the the British um, uh, UK childhood cancer uh, they they were the, they were the ones who put it up on the on the page, mm. and Pablo was um, highlighted in their in their cancer page in England. And um and then it gave gave the history of Pablo on that page, um and my it now when you read my paper, um you can hit the link and go right to Pablo yeah and you can see his story there. Um, what did he have? He had a glioblastoma documented histologically, um and um, he's from Devon uh, in England, um and they said you know he would be he chose not to take any chemo uh, and no radiation, just keto. Um, and he was very rigorous about it as well. Mm. Um, Can you define compliant.
2: rigorous so well, that, that yeah, people, he, the he, listeners he, understand
1: he, he, what uh, you mean by that? He would not eat any carbohydrates, very minimal if any, and um, water, just drinking water and eating um, you know, foods that were very heavy and fat.
0: So no vegetables, nuts, more yeah, like... Yeah, he
1: had vegetables, nuts. That Yes, he did that. But okay. there was these were nuts that were like macadamia yeah, nuts macadamia and things, nuts, so, the yeah. nuts that were more fat related avocados and hmm. he did a lot of this kind of stuff he was i would say he was very compliant and still is cuz i saw him i was over in england in, in september hmm. and i had a chance to to speak with him um but the bottom line is you know they said well you're going to be dead in 9 to 10 months or whatever it is hmm. or maybe even earlier by not doing standard of the care, of care and you know he was a pioneer i mean he's 28 years old uh, 27, I think at the time, um, he's 30 now, I think, but, um, you know, he's a young guy, everything to lose or everything to gain. Right. And you don't find many people young, uh, that are willing to throw caution to the
0: wind. You'll find many people period that are willing to, no. you know,
1: well, you know, the, the, pro- I told him in no uncertain terms that it was my opinion that being irradiated and poisoned, it was not going to be in his best interests. Mm. Um, and I had data to support it, and the big paper that we just published has all of the data mm. documenting how standard of care is responsible for the demise of these all these brain cancer patients. Wow! So it's, it's, hard, it's you can't you have to look at the data. Most people have t- difficulty even reading it, right? Because it's too devastating, right? Um, but he said, "Okay, none of this," mm. and he's still alive, and yeah. his wife just had a baby. Um. And um, he's very excited about that. And he seems to be doing okay. I mean, I'm not, he had surgery after two years, which is, you know, we pushed the surgery off Mm. uh, on Pablo um, because they said at the beginning his brain tumor was inoperable. Mm. Okay, if it's inoperable, why were you going to try to take it out in the first place? So after two years on keto, it became operable. (laughs) <laughs> so was he, it
2: does that was it smaller or they just changed their well, diet? Yeah, well that's or? you know, it's
1: always ambiguous. You really don't know. Um but whatever it was, they he had it taken out and he, he developed some seizures and this is not uncommon for mm. people who have major brain surgery. Um but that seems to be his debilitation now, is seizure activity from the from the surgical procedure but as far as the tumor growing back and becoming worse it seems to be stabilized hmm. i'm not saying he's out of the woods completely well we all have tumors I'm,
0: don't we it's just whether they metastasize or not to make some cancers yeah, and
1: well well in brain you know you do get metastasize uh, metastasis outside the brain it doesn't it, I think it happens a lot more than people know because usually you die from the brain tumor. before, Oh, by the way, you got a nodule on your liver. Right. Well, yeah. well you got three weeks to live. The nodule on your liver is not going to be what's killing you. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's the yeah. brain tumor that's killing you. Um, but we have seen many cases uh, where people have found who've lived long enough to know that these GBMs can metastasize outside the brain. Mm. But most people say, "Well, it's very rare." It's not that rare. Just nobody looks. If you if you look, you see it. If you don't mm. look, you, you know it's very rare. Yeah. Um. But anyway, Pablo um, seems to be doing uh, well. Uh, I'm not saying he's, he's completely out of the woods. He's doing well. He could live for another five, 10 years. It's hard to say mm-hmm. um, because I'm always surprised at just how a keto, uh, th- we call it ketogenic metabolic therapy yeah. rather than ketogenic diets, KMT. It's better. Yeah. Because in the medical community, the word diet is is, is like garlic I know, garlic yeah. to a vampire. It's in any Re- community, right? <laughs> yeah, they don't like the word diet. Diet <laughs> diet is an ambiguous thing. What do you and, mean diet?
0: And it also implies sacrifice, doesn't yeah. it?
1: And reply you know, it's just not scientific. Yeah. Um, it's not quantitative. Mm. So KMT, ketogenic metabolic therapy, yeah, is a, a segue into um, uh, okay, you got chemotherapy, radiation therapy, immunotherapy, and now you have metabolic therapy. It's right. just one more type of therapy right. that's designed to manage the disease without harming or causing any toxicity in the body. So it gets it gets a bad rap. It's not profitable and it doesn't hurt you. Therefore it gets a bad rap.
2: <laughs> and it actually works.
1: Yeah, and it works. You know, <laughs> right. which is the worst thing.
2: <laughs> right? So I have a burning question. If going on this this metabolic therapy with a keto lifestyle can rid you of cancer? Would it be true to say that that Carl and I will never get cancer because of the way we eat?
1: I can't say that. Uh, it's it's not one factor. Yeah, it's a lot of factors. Okay, exercise, yes, the right diet, exercise, fasting. These will all make your mitochondria healthy and reduce. Whatever risk you may – everybody is has a risk. Mm-hmm. We're all at risk for something. So uh, that diet lifestyle change would reduce risk. Right. Okay, and that's all we can say. So whether you never get cancer for the rest of your life or not, we can't know.
2: So – and the, the reason I ask that is because I'm sure that there's a lot of people who in their mind, if 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 the treatments then you're seeing you're healing people is true, then the other must also be true, and then they may choose – women may choose not to have smears because I can't have cancer because I am yeah. ketogenic or they may when you get to that magical age where you know uh, colons are looked at yeah. you know well I don't need to do that so well, as that's far as a personal as you're choice yeah. but, but uh, you should still get the checks done right i,
1: I think checks, you're not
2: protected no
1: yeah i think some checks that are that are have a very low risk like mm. mostly non non-invasive checks. The other thing I want to backtrack just a little bit. I've never said ketogenic diets are a cure for cancer. Yeah, I can't. I, I would be shocked if they were. Mm. Can they reduce? Can they in, uh, improve prog- progression-free survival? Yes. Can they improve overall survival? Yes. Are they a cure? I, I, I can't say that. Yeah. Great distinction. However, however, if we do keto metabolic therapy, if we target glucose and glutamine, at the same time we introduce hyperbaric oxygen and all these other add-ons.
0: And the other one was uh, exogenous ketones, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, all those things can be helpful. Mm. It's a package deal.
0: It's right, and I just
1: want
2: people to understand yeah, yeah. that it's not, you know, yeah. keto is not just this magical no, thing, no. that there's other people, things involved. Yeah,
1: people go overboard um, on all this stuff. They misread the information. Hmm. Um, I, I feel, you know, I try to do the best we can in educating people, um, but for whatever reason, they just they just don't seem to either listen or understand what's going on.
2: Or, the, or they, they listen to the bits they like. Yeah, well, they they I grasp mean, hold of one there's, part. Th-
1: there's a lot of papers, or I wouldn't say a lot. There's several papers from different groups saying that, um, oh, ketogenic diet can't can't be any good because some cancers burn fat, you know. Therefore, the the key the,
0: right is that true? No, of course not. But, but
1: there's ma- they're they're in major scientific journals. This is not wow. Nature. Yeah. I mean, some of the top journals in the world are publishing papers saying that some cancers can burn fats
0: and ketones. It's the same people that say eating red meat will cause diabetes. No,
1: no, no. These are not the same. These are not the These are these are hardcore scientists okay. at top medical schools.
0: And do they have I mean obviously they published their papers have yes, they been ever
1: Because the field feels that mitochondria are not defective in many cancers. Mm. So you have to ignore massive evidence from the electron microscopy work, mm. ultrastructural analysis, which very few people look at, and say well we don't we never see that. Well what, what are you looking at? And most of these these things are based on cell stuff and culture. Mm-hmm. Nothing could be more m- misinformative than growing cancer cells in a culture dish. They're completely separated from the body, from the microenvironment, and yet we're making profound statements about cancer based on cells growing as microorganisms.
0: And can I just distill this down and forgive me, but I'm trying to understand this. I I do have conversations with Richard Morris from time to time. So some of it's sinking in, but um, so I know that if you're talking about mitochondrial energy, ATP is the thing that, that uses, right? Or they produce ATP, right? Cancer cells produce a lot of ATP. They do.
1: But from a different mechanism. It's a fermentation mechanism. From
0: fermentation, not from, meta- not from metabolism. Oxi- not
1: from oxidative phosphorylation. Okay. Okay. So most of the energy in our body is oxidative phosphorylation. Yeah. Which is, we're breathing air. Yeah. That's how air is the, is the final acceptor for electrons to make water. But we're also getting a buttload of ATP If we stop breathing, you're going to die because you don't have any more energy. So, so we're all breathing. This is the the normal way our liver, kidney, colon, all the different cells of our body are getting energy through oxidative phosphorylation, and the blood vessels are delivering the oxygen to the tissues. Mm -hmm. Okay, cancer cells have have lost that capability, but have compensated with these ancient metabolic pathways called fermentation. Right. And this is uh, 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 energy without oxygen. Right. Okay. So they use these ancient pathways that existed on the planet before oxygen came into the atmosphere. The earth had a lot of organisms before there was any oxygen. They're all one cell. They grew like crazy Mm. until there was no more fermentable fuels, and then they would die. So the cancer cells are the same thing they're fermenting. The problem is is during our the way we treat them, we 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 feed them the massive amounts of fermentable fuels and then everybody wonders well how come they're so tough? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. The
1: very therapies that you're doing are feeding the cells. Right. Right? You're not starving these cells, you're feeding them. I mean, it's like uh, uh, the other thing, oh, cancer is so tough. They'll find a way to get around this. How? Without energy, nothing lives right where are they what are they going to ferment if you don't have the available fermentation fuel
0: there is no other means of them
1: they can ferment other things the problem is in order to oxidative phosphorylation is an extremely efficient form of energy metabolism yeah. you get a lot of atp from oxidative phosphorylation you get much less with fermentation because you're throwing out Uh, you're wasting a lot of the carbon-hydrogen bonds. So if that's the case, and if I'm going to make up the same amount of ATP with this efficient, I better have a vast amount of substrate fuel. It's a logistic issue. How much supply of of fermentable fuel is in the microenvironment to make up the difference from what I lost from oxidative phosphorylation.
0: And is glucose the most oh. fermentable fuel?
1: No, glutamine. Glutamine, glutamine and is. glucose, both of them. Yeah. And glutamine is the most abundant amino acid in our body. Yeah, so so where it's does it com- Where
0: does it come from? Where does glutamine come from? Well,
1: glutamine is a non-essential amino acid. We can get glutamine from foods. We can make glutamine from glucose. So, so um, uh, you, you know, you can, you can get glutamine. Glutamine is so abundant. Right. Okay. So this is why there's no diet that will target glutamine, as died. far as I know. I
0: mean. and, and glutamine is also helpful in, oh, in yes. some cases, Oh, yeah. It's part right? of the urea
1: cycle, the gut.
0: We need the- leaf for a leaky gut. It, yeah, well, yeah.
1: All this is glutamine dependent. And, and so is the, all the function of our immune cells. So gluten. does it make sense to try to suppress
0: glutamine? Yeah, you got to. Yeah. But
1: you got to do it with drugs. And you got to do it very strategically and very carefully. Right. You, can't, you got to know what you're doing.
0: Is it possible? Because I know you've done genetics as well. Is it possible to use something like CRISPR to target uh, cancer cells that uh, so that they can't ferment glutamine? Is no. that possible? You're just not going to be able. This is an evolving beast. Yeah, um, gene
1: editing issues. You know, it's just not it's just not part of the uh, the strategy. It's it's much easier to deprive them of their fermentable fuels, right. but you gotta, You have to do it in a strategic manner, right?
0: In other words, you take glutamine away from you everything. You got to take else. glucose away first, yeah.
1: Okay, because that's the easier one to deal with. Right, that shuts them. That 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 puts them down at a slower much slower pace. So once and and they and your whole body transitions to ketones, which then gives your normal cells um, um, vitality. Yeah. So you're really making them stronger and the tumor cells weaker. Yeah. But they're not dying because they have all this glutamine. So then, you have to strategically hit the glutamine with drugs, and we call it the press-pulse strategy that we published.
0: Yeah, it's, that's right. You were talking okay. about this that's before. That's the
1: strategy. That's the that's going to be the future of cancer. If people want to survive cancer, they they will use the press-pulse strategy.
0: So it's kind of like pumping your brakes when you're going down a hill. Exactly. Right? You want to do yeah, it. Yeah, in yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, otherwise, if you, you slam the your car, you lose control of the vehicle. Yeah. You know, you can have all kinds of problems.
2: This is specifically. Talking about people who have cancer, we're not suggesting that yeah. everybody should stop eating oh, glutamine no, or no, no, try to no. avoid it. This right. is no. specific. So I don't want everyone yes, to panic yes. and guys go, "Oh, no, no, glutamine's no. Right. The devil. Well, this is
1: this is the importance of these kinds of questions right. because people take these things out of context. Right.
2: So I just want to be super clear. And then they
1: say, and then they say, "Oh, what kind of what diet should we use to restrict glutamine?" Right. Uh, yeah, wrong. Yeah, no yeah, diet. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So, luck.
2: people without cancer do not need to be worried about glutamine. No,
1: <laughs> no, no. In fact, glutamine is very important. We need it for the immune system. We need it for right. the gut. We need it for the urea system. You know, we need it for
0: uh, all the physio-
1: It's involved in so many physiological processes. Right. So, uh,
0: so the drugs do this press pulse thing where they basically try to notch it down and. In-
1: yeah, so the first thing you have to do is get the patient into therapeutic ketosis. Yeah. Which is, you know, um, getting the blood sugars as low as you possibly can, yeah. getting the ketones as high as you possibly can. And as I said, well, you got to get the people say oh you're going to go into ther- uh, ketoacidosis. No, you're not. No. Unless you have type 1 diabetes, right. you don't have to worry about if that. If your
0: pancreas works, you don't have to worry about it Yeah, you got to worry about
1: Yeah, you got to you got to worry about electrolyte balances because you start peeing like right. a racehorse, as they would say. So you really have to balance your electrolytes, and you need a good physician to mm-hmm. measure. A lot of blood work done a lot of times just mm-hmm. to make sure you're in, you're in uh, metabolic homeostasis. And then you go after the glutamine. Yeah. And we use, there's a number of drugs on the market. We use Don, which is really powerful.
0: Don? Yeah,
1: 6-diazonorleucine. It's an analog of, of glutamine. It binds to the main enzyme uh, for glutamine and it shuts it down. The whole issue is, is that it has to be done strategically. Dosage, timing, and scheduling are the keys to the success of managing cancer. Mm. Once you close the, glu- the glucose door, that you now have the opportunity to slowly uh, attack the, the glutamine issue. Yeah, And you have to do it very carefully, because if you don't do it carefully, you put your body at great risk. You can harm your gut, uh, you can harm your immune system, and if you're killing cancer cells, uh, you got to get rid of the corpses, the dead cells in the tissue, mm-hmm. and that's part of the immune system function. Mm-hmm. And they need glutamine. So, and they are the tumor cell. So here's the here's the 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 conundrum: the very cell that's going to kill me is 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 choking down glutamine. Yeah. The cell that's going to possibly help the cure or the resolution also ne- needs ne- the glutamine. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you got to hit them hard, kill a whole bunch. These guys don't die; they get into the good paralysis. Guys. They become just, uh, they don't die. The good the good guys, cells, the white cells. Yeah, the, the macrophages and things. Yeah. Okay, but these guys are absolutely dependent on it. So, so they die. Cells. Now, after they die, what we do is we back off the drug and we allow these guys to pick up the corpses.
0: These guys being the immune The good, system. your healthy
1: immune system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they
2: need the glutamine to they do They need the glutamine to do
1: their job. Okay, so you're dealing with uh, the adverse, the key, the key cell, both cells that you need, they both need glutamine. Yeah. But th- this guy is paralyzed by the lack of glucose. This guy is burning the ketones, so he escapes <laughs> So it's
2: kind of like intermittent fasting. Yeah, well, I
1: guess you could look at <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, cell, On a it's, cellular it's, level. It, you just have to do it on the right- Feast
2: and p- famine. Yeah,
1: it's but you got to, yeah. So we mm. know what we need to do. We, we we just haven't worked out all the dosage, timing, and scheduling. And the best drugs to work with the with the keto with the with the uh, uh, KMT ketogenic metabolic therapy. Also, um, um, you know the cancer cells are, are are resistant because they have a powerful antioxidant system, mm. which is driven by glucose and glutamine. So if you can pull away the glucose and the glutamine, they become now vulnerable to oxidative stress. Now you can use radiation because radiation kills the cells by oxidative stress. Mm-hmm. But why do that when you can use uh, hyperbaric oxygen, right, right. So hyperbaric oxygen is very healthy. Yes, um, radiation is not. You know, people line up to do hyperbaric oxygen because they they feel they want to feels. Yeah, feels nobody good. goes in says, oh, "Let me get irradiated today because I want to feel better." Yeah, you yeah, nobody does that.
2: So do all the you you say it's the combination of the dosing and the timing and all those things. Yeah, yeah. Does that vary depending on? Where the cancer is, the type of cancer, the stage of cancer, how variable is that? Well, or, I think or is there kind of a formula that works across all cancers? Yeah, it,
1: well, yeah it'll work uh, because they're all the same. Well, every cancer that we have is the cancer is one disease. It's not a hundred diseases, it's a singular disease of fermentation metabolism. So it doesn't
2: matter where in the body, the organ, doesn't no, matter.
1: No, it doesn't matter.
2: So that actually makes it simpler for you.
1: Very simple. The problem is th- th- what is the physiological state of the individual mm. uh, that that needs this therapy. So, we that's where the issue comes in, not the fact that one cancer will be more resistant than another. Right. It's one physiology may be more prone or more difficult to manage than another physiology. Yeah. Is
2: it more difficult with 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 children, with elderly, with is it is it Well, like males, females, like what is the like the human variance? Well, I think
1: it has to do with again uh, the physio, the the physical state of the individual at the time of the therapy. Sure. So what we what we seem to have is that like Pablo Kelly and Andrew Scarborough and n- some of these other folks that mm. never were subjected to um, high dose radiation or chemicals. They're pretty in pretty good shape. Yeah. Their bodies are tough, so they can they can they, they can do well. But then you get another person who comes to you and says, they've done everything they could, and they've told me to go home and make peace with my what with my God. Right. Well, those people are on death's doorstep, more from the treatments than from the cancer. Or from
0: so what they're, they're eating.
1: Yeah. For their, their bodies are very fragile now. Can they do a water-only therapeutic fast for a week? None, unlikely. Yeah. Okay. Not because they don't want to. It's because their bodies are so beat up. Right. You're you're already you've been through a a a a mill here of of toxic therapies. Mm. So, when we get individuals that are pretty healthy other than the fact that they have cancer, those guys seem to do really really well. Cuz they're already they're not beat up. Right. So, and that doesn't make any difference what what sex you are, what age you are. Uh little kids do really well, but they, right. but it's against the law to treat the to not treat little kids with poison and radiation. <laughs> So they they're always at a disadvantage, where the adult can make a choice. You know, they'll take your child away if you don't poison them.
0: That's true. So uh, that was yeah. the case yeah. just I recently. I think in Connecticut too. Yeah, wasn't it was it? in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, and they're having more and more of these kinds of situations. Hmm. So I feel terrible for the poor little kids. They, you know, but then some parents will pull them off standards of care and give them something that's. Not much better than the standard of care. You really mm. got to know what to do, Sure. you don't want to substitute one one bad therapy for another bad therapy.
0: Has your research gone into human trials or are you strictly in mice? What are you doing now?
1: no we we work with uh, the biggest number of people that we were, we're um, my colleagues are working with are in Turkey because they have uh, they just published a beautiful paper by Mehmet uh, Ikisiki uh, who was in Istanbul clinic where they where they treated um, 40-some-odd patients with advanced non-small cell cancer, which is, you know, that's like glioblastoma. It's like pancreatic cancer, one of these which you don't live long. It's terminal. Yeah, for the most part. And um, and they compared their approach, which is uh, ketogenic metabolic therapy with low-dose chemo, uh, with uh, all of the other studies. And um, the average survival for all of the other standards was anywhere from six to 10 months, all right, they're getting 44 months on their patients wow. with keto metam- And these are stage four, pe- these are people with stage four cancers, right. the worst of the worst. Right. So you're clearly massively better off uh, using that approach.
0: And I imagine some have survived even oh, yeah. for years. Oh yeah, yeah. Th- That's
1: the mean survival is 44 months. Yeah, means. You know, so the others are mean six or eight months or 10 months. So clearly it has tremendous potential. Um, and we have patients with advanced pancreatic cancer. That you know, these guys are. I mean, their whole body is lit up, you know, from all the from all the tumors, and they're doing fine after. T- now, I'm not saying everyone, but there's enough people out there that are, that seem to be beating the odds big time.
0: So I can't imagine people that n- have this information and understand this and get it. Well, in somebody has cancer, how can how come they just can't go to a clinic that it offers can't. this kind of therapy? It's first of all, it's not part of the American or the British or any
1: of the major hospital centers. The Western medicine. Yeah. Um. It's not part of the standard of care. Uh, number one. Number two is that the setups in the hospitals are uh, profit-driven, mm-hmm. um, and you're you're asking to substitute a highly profitable uh, series of treatments for something that nobody knows how you're going to make any money on this. I, I can't yet. imagine yet. Yet
0: S- somebody who has cancer and knows this. Right, yeah, but they don't. So, pay for their life.
1: yeah, but they they don't because oh, you got cancer. What are you going to do? The first thing, if you're in, in, in Massachusetts, you're going to run down to Dana Farber or or MGH or or the Brigham. Uh, if you're in Connecticut, you're going to run to Yale University. You know, I'm calling you, you. You know, if you're in yeah, but I <laughs> can't right. I can't see patients. I have to, and this is the this is one of the problems. As I said, there's several uh, problems. Number one, it's not part of the standard of care. Number two, it doesn't meet the, the, the profit margins that the hospitals need right. to cover the costs of their operating budgets. Yeah. Number three, the physicians aren't trained. Uh, they don't know anything about this. Yeah. They were never trained in medical school to know anything about right. metabolic therapy. Right. Um, so you have a whole series of, of, of barriers that stand in the way
0: are the doctors libeled for um to lose their license yes, if they, they don't are. prescribe yes, radiation and chemotherapy yes, yes. so, so if a doctor tells you cut out the sugar and then you know have this therapy for glutamine later they can lose their license.
1: Well, I don't know if they could lose their license on that. If they were to say, listen, I'm going to treat you with metabolic therapy and I'm not going to radiate and poison you. Right. Then they would lose their license, I think. Wow. So uh, they have to do standard of care. Now, sometimes when the patient goes through standard of care and nothing's working, uh, the doctor will sometimes say, yeah, you might want to try metabolic therapy. All right. So- but I'm not going to do it you know i'm not i can't give it to you but you might want to consider it well now you're at the end of the if i did it up front i would have i wouldn't be here talking to you about this in the first place
0: so grandma franklin's listening to this and she has a friend that just got diagnosed with cancer and she says go listen to my son's podcast you know if, if, what is that person going to do they're going to you know, if they if they get it yeah they're going to go on a ketogenic diet and then probably well, also do the radiation in chemotherapy you know they could it's 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 we don't have
1: kmt structured like we have standard of care right okay we don't have it yet and as i said for many many well, reasons we know how to do it well even we even then we don't there are, you if you're going to be someone that's going to prescribe uh, ketogenic metabolic therapy we we have not yet worked out all the dosage timing and scheduling the people who are doing so remarkably well with this right now it's by I I can't tell you uh, exactly why this guy is doing much better than the other guy. Right. It's not yet. It's we. This is the cutting edge right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay? It's not that I can say, oh, yeah, our therapy is much better than standard of care. Hmm. I can't say that because if you don't do it right, it's no better than the standard of care. Sure. Right? Um, it might not work. I don't think it's going to harm you, but i certainly yeah, not that's, going to help you.
0: That's my question. Like, if you're going to do radiation and chemotherapy anyway— is going on a ketogenic diet going to improve your chances of survival. Well, what
1: we did um, we have direct evidence for that uh that question in the patient that we dealt with in Egypt. Um, Dr. El-Saka and his group, we had a young man again another 20 27 year old guy, I believe that's a corn farmer. We published it in Frontiers so everybody can read it. Um he he came in and he was a metabolic mess. His he was had tri- elevated triglycerides, he had his cholesterol, his, his blood metabolites were out of balance. Mm. Besides, the whole left side of his body was paralyzed oh. from the from the growing tumor in his brain. So he had the tumor in his brain, and he was a metabolic mess. He had uh, insulin elevations. He had all kinds of things. Mm. So we we put him on a, a water-only fast for three days, and then transitioned him to a very calorie-restricted ketogenic diet for, for up to three, three weeks. Mm. And then we debulked the tumor. He had a wake wake craniotomy, so he 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 did very well.
0: He bulked the tumor. meaning you, they went
1: in. They cut the tumor out. Yeah. Okay. Not because most people go in and get the tumor cut out right away. Yeah. Oh, you're going to die if you don't get this. Right. He had. We we gave him three weeks of metabolic therapy before they did the surgery. Yeah. Um, He went through that fine, and then we we had him on on chloroquine. We we did some glutamine targeting with chloroquine, EGCG. And uh, hyperbaric oxygen, besides having him on a restricted ketogenic diet, mm. um, but we he, the, the hospital said we must irradiate and use toxic poison on this guy, which is temozolomide. Yeah, couldn't get away from it, even in Alexandria, Egypt. Mm. So people say, well, maybe you have more flexibility. No, no, no. They mm. all want to do what Westerners do. They do exactly what. So, but we we had three months, three months of metabolic therapy before radiation and chemo. And he did very well going through radiation and chemo, as at the same time he was hyperbaric oxygen and doing the, the, the ketogenic metabolic therapy. Yeah. And he handled it very, very well. But then at about 27, 28 months, he started getting headaches. Um, we, you know, man, it doesn't look like this. The guy's starting to do bad now. Mm. So they brought him in to reduce some of the intracranial pressure and they took out some tissue. Um, and it was all um, radiation necrosis damage. So he died at 30 months of age from radiation necrosis damage, not the cancer from wow. from the treatment. So this is, and I believe now, this is what's happening to most of these brain cancer patients. Hmm. They're all dying from radiation necrosis. Um, uh, not the, I'm not saying that everybody, this is a, 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 a common thing, right. but I know from the pub paper we just published, we documented clearly, how radiation is 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 is, is enriching a microenvironment uh, a microenvironment rich in glucose and glutamine okay massively rich and rich from the radiation itself with the temozolomide wow so you have now created a microenvironment that is abundant in the two fuels that are driving the beast wow and the fact that we have a patient who died from radiation necrosis and not the tumor is is a piece of the part that says this guy didn't die from the tumor. Mm. So what would happen to this guy if he didn't was not irradiated and poisoned? He might be like Pablo Kelly, still alive. You see what I'm saying? Now Pablo chose not to do that. How many other people with brain cancer that would go keto, KMT would live much longer than if they were so I think it's a combination of the both. You gotta do it's not just doing nothing. The standard of care for brain cancer right now, in my mind, and, and the data that we have just published, is killing most of these patients. That's nah, horrible. It's horrible. Horrible.
0: I know of one person who had prostate cancer, and after watching your videos and Dom D'Agostino and the research that you guys did, finding those that the trifecta, right, which is the ketogenic diet, the hyperbaric oxygen, and the uh, exogenous ketones, and by the time he had his surgery, there was pretty much nothing left.
1: Yeah. Well, we've seen that on a number of number of occasions. Yeah. So, so yeah. So this big paper we just published in in uh, neurochemical research. Uh,
0: documents. And, very- and by the way, he also forewent chemotherapy and radiation. He yeah. didn't. He chose not to have. Yeah. Those.
1: I think. Yeah. I think your body stays much stronger and healthier if you're not poisoned and irradiated. Mm. I mean, I just think that makes you. And not, not only that, we know that radiation increases systemic inflammation. Mm. You don't want. You want to reduce inflammation. You don't want to increase inflammation, right? Why are you doing things like this? And you know, radiation frees up so much glutamine in the microenvironment; it's unbelievable. Wow! And then they use the the drug uh, um, uh, dexamethasone, the steroid, because you, when you when you take your tissue and irradiate it, it gets hot and swells, and to reduce the swelling, you give an, you give a high dose steroid, which is dexamethasone, oh. which causes you to have hyperglycemia. Right. You're putting on. You're putting blood sugar into your. Right. So you got the two fuels driving the beast are made in a massive. What do you think the outcome is going to be? Yeah. Death. 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 Wow. Right. So. So and why? As we started the paper off by saying there have been no major advances in glioblastoma in in a uh, hundred years. As a matter of fact, in 1926. Bailey and Cushing said that people with glioblastoma will die, will have an average life expectancy of 6 to 14 months. Wow. John McCain died at 13 months. Zero progress in almost 100 years. Right. Right? Right. That's stunning. Yeah. And it's perfectly predictable. The treatment itself is responsible for the failure to make progress. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. So, if you don't do the standard of care and you go keto, you could live like Pablo or Andrew or all these other people. Mm. But if you go to Dana Farney, the big medical schools, they will not allow you to do that. And they feel that the, the, if this were so important, that uh, everybody would be doing it if I were right. Mm. Okay. But what, what I can't be 100% sure that everybody's going to live as long as Andrew and, and, and Pablo and others. But what I can know is that what you're doing is contributing to their rapid demise. Right. That's a fact. <laughs> There's no argument about that. <laughs> wow, you know, and you can read if you don't believe me, read the paper that we just published because all of the evidence is in that paper.
0: We will get all those links from you and put them in the show notes for people to read. Yeah, uh,
1: and that the interesting, but that paper that I just published was not open access. It's a traditional academic oh. paper,
0: so it's behind a paywall.
1: Yeah, it's behind a paywall. So um, I don't know. We can get it out some way. I don't know, but because um, most of my papers are put on open access. Right. Uh, I do that so everybody in the so this has to be the change has to come in my mind from the people. It's I don't think I don't think it will ever come from the the top medical schools. I believe that they will be the last kicking and screaming into this uh, metabolic mm. approach. Mm. Um, they're all brainwashed on the immunotherapies. You know, they think um, CAR-T immunotherapies, they think uh, PD-1 inhibitors and all these immunotherapies are the way to go. Mm. Um, some people do remarkably well in immunotherapies. Um, uh, other people, uh, it causes hyper-progressive disease. Yeah. You know, 20 to 30% of the, of the people getting immunotherapies, their, their tumor grow twice as fast and they die faster. And there's a lot of adverse effects associated with this. So in my mind, why would you ever want to treat a sick person with any kind of a therapy that would harm them or put them at risk for more rapid tumor growth.
0: That's pretty much against the Hippocratic Oath. It, it, it is. It is exactly what
1: it's for. Exactly. So, yeah. so then you have to begin to question the whole establishment. And then you say, well, why are we doing all this? Well, first of all, it's driven in large part by the view that cancer is a genetic disease. And as long as they think cancer is a genetic disease, they're going to persist with these Rube Goldberg systems. Um,
0: I was and, talking to Alec on the way up that uh, people, and doctors especially, it's an easy out for them to say it's a genetic problem because that means there's nothing you can do about it, right?
1: Mm. In some ways, that's true. But but the fact that it's not a genetic disease uh, clearly indicates that you're not destined to die from this thing. Mm. Um, the treatments that we use, okay, we use chemotherapy to stop um, the cell cycle. Basically, the cells are proliferating. So you want to break DNA. Uh, you want to prevent them from going through the cell cycle. What, what's going on with the cells? Well, mutations are driving the cell cycle. No, they're not. They're the effects of that. That what's driving that? What's driving the growth is the fuel. <laughs> right. <laughs> Without energy, nothing can grow. Right. So what's what's making the cell grow so crazy? It has plenty of fermentable fuels. With the fermentable fuel, it's growing. When you pull the plug on the fermentable fuel, they stop growing and die.
0: Seems pretty simple.
1: Very simple. So, it's even it's it's not complicated. Let's put it that way. Mm. Okay, so we're going to irradiate somebody, and then we're going to, why are you doing that? Well, we're going to break, we're going to just shatter the DNA. We're just going to explode the DNA, and we're also going to create reactive oxygen species. The problem is, is that it creates so much collateral damage to your normal cells mm. while you're putting this patient through this, right? So, and again, we're trying to stop the cell cycle. We're going to blast the DNA. We're going to cripple the DNA. We're going to, we're going to bind proteins to the to the cytoskeleton. Uh, like uh, taxol and these they they are very toxic they and, and people's hair falls out right? right many many cancer patients go bald what the hell are you doing why would anyone want to go bald from being treated for cancer why 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 what did my hair have to do how did the hair get in the way right. of your therapy right yeah. no no metabolic therapy you keep your hair you keep your breasts you don't you don't be surgically right. mutilated right. like you're doing with these guys and then the other thing which this which the field does is that oh you you got a lump you got this you got that we have to take a biopsy right right well that's like putting a stick in a beehive the beehives the, the bees come out mm. those can if you have any cell that's on the precipice of becoming malignant that stick will make it malignant
0: right all right you basically create a door through which it can you've created a your...
1: microenvironment mm. inflamed which is going to bring in glucose and glutamine so you can push those cells out Okay, why are you taking the biopsy in the first place? Well, we have to characterize the genetic mutations in the tissue that we're taking so that we can prescribe a, a therapy. right? First of all, the genetic mutations are complete almost completely irrelevant. They're all downstream effects. They have nothing to do. If, if the cell doesn't have glucose and glutamine, it's going to die, the mutations are irrelevant, right? So you know, whats the, so but we can charge7 thousand two hundred dollars to get a, a, a readout of your genetic mutations. So, it's, so we, 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 you didn't need to do that in the first place. So if your tumor is benign, then you don't really need to stick it. But we don't know that. So we really want to stick it to see if it might be malignant. Well, if it is malignant, it's certainly going to be malignant after you stick it. Right. <laughs> right. So you put these people at risk. And I have plenty of articles from the literature showing what we call fine needle biopsy spread, spreading tumor cells. Now, does it happen all the time? No, it's not common. But if it happens to one in 500 women or guys or whatever, mm. what, you put you could kill somebody. Oh, he's the sacrifice we have to have just so we can tell you what kind of mutations you have that are completely irrelevant to the disease.
0: Right. It's unnecessary. It's so an unnecessary
1: do it, step. Yeah. It's an unnecessary step. Then what should we do? Okay, here's what you do. You have non-invasive ways. You have CT, you have CAT You have different ways to look at lumps. You don't have to stick it. So you can then go on a metabolic therapy. What happens to the lump? Like you said, sometimes it goes; it it gets really small. Sometimes it goes away. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it stays the same. Mm. There's no change. Okay. Uh, we've looked at it now for a month or two. And if it's getting small, um, stay the course.
0: Right. <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: Um, or you could say to the person, listen, that thing that was big looks really small. I think I can go in now and surgically debulk that whole thing. Right. Get rid of it. I would do that, yeah, okay, because now I'm not the beast is is shrivelled up. yeah, he's like dormant. Uh, so you can k- take it out, right? So you have several of these kinds of options without having to stick the person to get a gene profile that's mm. largely irrelevant, or to say, well, I know now I know that you have malignant cancer, and now we're going to use radiation and chemo. But if you did if you did ketogenic metabolic therapy, I could have shrunk that sucker down. And then you guys could have taken it out with much less collateral damage, and it could have put me at much lower risk for possible spreading. So all of the procedures that we're using in the cancer field put people at risk for more cancer, Mm. right? So consequently, we have 1,600 people a day dying from cancer in the United States, and it's getting out of control all over the world, Mm. largely from the way we're viewing it as a genetic disease, sticking and poking people, and not recognizing that they can't live without glucose and glutamine. Yeah. Not terribly common.
2: Are are the numbers increasing?
1: Oh, in England, there's there's something going on with England and brain cancer. Um, Some of my colleagues there, um, Alistair Phillips and Dennis Henshaw, have published a paper showing that glioblastoma is increasing massively in the English. Yes. you know, and and this is a real this is a real uh, perplexing because this is any, not,
2: any hints
1: on what it might it's be. Something, well, obviously, it's something. I blame in the Earl Grey
0: tea. Yeah, Earl <laughs> no, Grey. I'm no,
1: it's it's obviously bergamot. <laughs> it's, it's clearly a, environmental issues, and yeah. we don't know what those invite. Could be multiple ones, whatever, but. Um, you know, so there's you go back to the prevention. Okay, so if I do exercise and keto, I'll reduce the, the possibility of getting an inflammatory site in my brain mm. uh, and possibly reduce risk that way. Uh, or I, if we could identify specifically the environmental trigger that's pushing those, because it's not a genetic thing. It's purely environmental. There's some toxin, there's some diet, lifestyle toxin issues in the environment that predispose. Mm. Now, you can have genetic predisposition to cancer. Some people are more prone to one kind of cancer than another kind of cancer. Um, but, if you ch- but that's a predisposition. It doesn't mean it's guaranteed right. Right. that even if you have the BRCA1 mutation or the Leaf Rao many mutation, it's not 100% penetrant, which means that there are some people that have the BRCA1 mutation uh, and they never go on to get cancer. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, then there are 50% of the women that have the mutation that go on to get cancer. So we know that the BRCA1 mutation damages the mitochondria. So why in some people does that mutation damage their mitochondria where the same mutation in another person doesn't damage his mitochondria? Mm. You only get cancer if the BRCA1 mutation actually causes the mitochondria to be damaged, thereby falling back on a compensatory fermentation, which then drives the beast.
0: So in other words, there could be several things in the chain of cause. You don't know which one it is.
1: The only thing we know is that if the mitochondria remain healthy, the probability of getting cancer is, is much lower. The risk yeah. is much lower. We have never found a cancer that does not have some defect and has a fermentation metabolism, which is the Warburg effect, right. uh, which which is an effect, not a cause. It's the 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 cause is damage to the respiration. The effect is the fermentation. So it's damage to respiration, part one, and compensatory fermentation, part two. Mm. Our discovery was that besides glucose fermentation, we now found the missing link in Warburg's central theory that the tumor cells can also ferment glutamine. Yeah. Okay. So that was the missing link in Otto Warburg's central theory. No tumor cell, uh, if you target glucose and glutamine, can survive. Because they need fermentation fuel. And how do you know that? Because if you look under the electron microscope, you see the mitochondria damaged. Therefore, you know that they can't respire. Therefore, you know they have to ferment. And mm. then if they ferment, what do they ferment? Glucose and glutamine.
0: Take them away, they die.
1: Yeah. They can't live without energy. Nothing lives without energy. It's a fermentation-driven metabolism. And you have to just start. Now, this is too simple. But as I said, it's not that simple because you need to do to- dosage timing and scheduling right. because those drugs that you use to target the glutamine have to be done very strategically because you don't want to create right. harm. So that's the cutting edge. The cutting edge is how do we strategically bring this together?
0: Okay. So one last thing, websites, books, resources, things that you can throw out there that we can share.
1: Well, I think me, uh, Miriam Calamian's book, Keto for Cancer, mm-hmm. is certainly a uh, that one, the, the red and one. And you wrote the forward to that? Yeah, right? I wrote the forward to that. Um, you know Travis's book, Tripping Over the Truth, yeah, um, which kind of outlines this whole thing. I think it has to. This all has to come, and the papers that we're publishing right now, yeah. that are in, in peer reviewed journals. Um, the paper that I just published on on the it, it was called Provocative Question.
0: And like I said, we'll put as many links to these as we can. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I think that's a that's a a, 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 a powerful powerful statement. Um, for glioblastoma, but I could make the same argument for a lot of the other cancers. Yeah. It's just that, you know, in fact, we're going to be working on a big uh, breast cancer uh, paper. So Great. all the cancers are the same. and the the thing that I think is is holding back uh, um, uh, the grassroots effort to change the system is the belief, the misguided, misunderstood belief that 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 my, my cancer is different from your cancer. Right. You know, I have breast cancer, and, and th- we're going to raise money for breast cancer. You have brain cancer. You can raise money for brain cancer. You have lung cancer, colon cancer, ovary cancer. They're all the same. Right. Okay. Someone, as I said in many many of my talks, someone has to unite the tribes. Without the unite of the tribes, we're going to continue on this path of 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 uh, of mismanagement, mm. misunderstanding. Yeah. They're all the same. So someone should get together. You know, uh, you know, have have a a meeting of the of the tribes. They're going to get the representatives of all the different foundations sit down together and say, "Cancer is one disease. It's not a hundred diseases. It needs glucose and glutamine. What are we going to do about it? We should march on Washington and say we're sick and tired of the slaughter, the pain, and the suffering." Mm-hmm. Now, the the precedent for that was the AIDS uh, epidemic, mm-hmm. which, if you remember, if you had AIDS at one point. You were pretty much a goner, Yeah. right? Well, all of a sudden, that's not so deadly anymore. What the hell happened, Mm. all right? The gay community is in lockstep with each other. They're a very powerful voice. They all work and think alike when it comes to certain things that afflict their, their society. Mm. Okay. They marched on Washington. They stopped uh, traffic on Pennsylvania Avenue. They threw ashes of their loved ones on the lawn of the white house. They got, And what what happened? Boom. This thing was solved. How fast did that take a year? Cancer is exactly the same. Mm. We could, we can manage this disease. If we had the same, uh, gr- uh grassroots effort we would have this disease cut in half uh, in ten years by fifty percent. It's
0: going to start with people who, who find themselves with cancer that are brave enough to forego the traditional treatment and you know, you know have how, bacon and eggs. Yeah, do you
1: know how hard that is. Like you run off to the Dana Farber and they tell you, oh, we have we have we have a great plan for you. Okay, so you say, well, I've got the best scientific minds in the field that are going to help me. Right, and and many times they do. Now, the problem is, is that when it doesn't work, what do you do? Yeah. And a lot of people are saying, "Well, what do you do? None of this stuff you gave me works." Okay, so you go down this path of escalation. Well, this didn't work. We're going to try that.
0: A more aggressive. Di- drug. Yeah, more aggressive.
1: A different combination of drugs. And before you know it, you're finished. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, if you do emerge successfully from the treatments and say, "I once had lung cancer, or I once had breast cancer, and I'm now cured," okay, so you're, are you back to the same state health status you had before you had cancer? Invariably. No, why not? Well, I have neuropsychiatric problems. Depression mm. is mm. one of the major consequences of surviving cancer. Hormonal imbalances, digestive, uh, 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 cur- ur- urinary tract, kidneys. You Autoimmune have all problems. kinds of other maladies for the fact that you survived the radiation and poison that they gave you. Right. Right? So you're not completely cured of of disease. Right. You might be you cured just of, it for a different one. Yeah, you just now- And what all that does is increases entropy, the second law of thermodynamics, which is disorder. And basically you die earlier because your body has been disordered from the treatments. You might not die from the cancer, but you would die from, the, from something else that was related to the treatment of the disease. You just don't live as long in general. Right. Not to say that you can't. The, the, the bottom line is that you usually have- So why are we doing all this? Mm. Because they think cancer is a genetic disease. And it comes right back to the idea, is it a metabolic disease or is it a genetic disease? And if it's a metabolic disease, then we're not treating it the right way at all. Right.
0: Professor, I, I don't know what to say. This is mind-blowing. And uh, it's always great talking to you. And I'm, I really hope that you've inspired some people who are listening today to to embrace the truth and, uh, and, and not be afraid.
1: Yeah, well, I think this is, I mean, it has to change. Otherwise, we can just keep the status quo. Just keep doing what you, everybody's doing. Um, And as I said, people are rushing into this keto without knowing the biomarkers that you you really have to have a whole readout of blood work just to know that you're not pushing yourself into a a direction you don't want to be. So you have to have knowledgeable physicians that look at your blood work and say, oh, we, we can tweak you a little bit better this way. Why don't you back off a little bit of that and take a little bit more of this? You know, maybe you're, mm. you're eating too much of that. You should be eating a little bit more of this. Mm. Look at the way it's changing your electrolyte pal- balances. This all requires a very sophisticated view, Yeah. right? And that's what we don't have. We don't have people doing any of that because they're not trained to do it. So it's just, you know, we're sitting here doing this over and over again, your podcast, his podcast, <laughs> this guy, this, 100, this, and people are just run yeah. down to Dana-Farber. <laughs>
2: And people still don't know what to eat.
1: Well, you know, it's not it's 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 not what to eat, sometimes what not to eat. <laughs> right.
0: Indeed. We're gonna have to leave it there. Thanks okay. again, Professor Seyfried. Okay. It's Thanks. been a pleasure. We yeah. Thanks. No alibi, the way. Well, there it is. The man, the myth, the maverick. He is a maverick, isn't he?
2: Absolutely. Fascinating afternoon. Just so so honored to get the chance to hang out in his office and and chat to him about it. I was absolutely blown away.
0: Yeah, I was too. And frankly, the the news of his paper, you know, showing that we might be harming uh, patients with radiation is well, I I wasn't prepared for that. Right. You know that w- that's a bombshell. And and of course, you know, I haven't read the paper. But, uh, you know, if it's anything like his other papers, there, there's probably compelling evidence in there. So I would encourage everybody who is interested in that to, uh, you know, pay the whatever it is to get access to the paper and um, and read it. Yep. Yep. All right, then. Uh, are you hungry?
2: I am, actually.
0: All right. I guess you better make a recipe
2: i do of course have a recipe and okay. for no particular reason i decided that today i wanted to talk about sausages sausages are absolutely one of my favorite foods and i love discovering new keto sausages i'm always foraging if i go out to mm. little villages or farmers markets or or cool little foodie stores i'm always rummaging around for exciting new sausages so yeah. today i thought we'd have some sausage and
0: kale soup which kale is probably- what's that kale doing in my sausage soup that's what food <laughs> eats i'm kidding I don't Which like
2: This I do not like kale. I mean, I'm a big fan of leafy greens. I love yeah. lettuce. I'm all about leafy greens, cabbage, Brussels, all of that. But yeah. I just cannot, I just can't do kale. But uh, there's a lot of kale lovers out there.
0: Yes, there so are.
2: So I, I came up with a way to eat kale that was actually delicious and um, paired it with sausages and a few other things. So and we love
0: I'm, people who love kale, don't we? Carrie? Yes, we do. Yes, we give them a big kale hug.
2: We love all the people.
0: We love all the people.
2: We love all the people. We might
0: not like kale, but we love kale eaters.
2: And, and actually, <laughs> if you just wanted to leave the kale out, you could. But sure. But this I made this for for kale lovers. Uh, As usual, very simple, very fast, and it is one of the most popular soup recipes on my blog. So I bring you sausage and kale soup. Nice. And you're going to need three cups or one and a half pints of chicken stock. Yep. 12 ounces or 335 grams of tomatoes that you've roughly chopped. Eight ounces or 225 grams of celery roughly chopped. A quarter of a cup or two fluid ounces of heavy cream. A teaspoon of dried basil, a teaspoon of your Redmond real salt. Okay. Half a teaspoon of the magical konjac flour, also known as glucomannan powder.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: Six ounces or 170 grams of kale, which you've shredded and had the stems removed. Okay. And then 12 ounces of pre-cooked sausages, cut in half lengthwise and then sliced. Now. You can buy, there's Trader Joe's, for example, has a lot of pre-cooked sausages Mm. that you just brown them in the pan. So you can use those. Or of course, if you do want to make this take longer or your favorite sausages don't come pre-cooked, just cook them ahead of time. Okay. So pre-cooked is not a prerequisite. It just means that the, the recipe just really takes, all you have to do is warm them up. So it makes it super fast. Okay. So what you're going to do, you're going to put the stock, the tomatoes, and the celery in a pan, bring it to the boil, cover and simmer it for five minutes. Mm. Once you've done that, you're going to transfer the stock and veggies to the blender, add the cream, basil, and sea salt, and blend on high until very smooth. So that actually makes your soup base Then you're going to turn the blender to low and slowly tap the konjac flour through the opening in the lid and just blend it for five seconds to distribute that konjac flour through. That's going to make you a a thick, hearty soup. Yeah. Then you're going to pour the soup back into the pan and bring it to the boil. Reduce the heat until it's simmering. Add the kale and the chopped sausages. Simmer for 10 minutes until the kale is completely wilted and that's it yeah. super simple but it and super fast especially if you use pre cooked sausages but it's incredibly tasty and um kale lovers absolutely love this and as, as i say if you want to leave the kale out you totally can if you okay. want to do it dairy free just replace the cream with thick coconut milk that's the stuff that comes in a can and if you prefer a thinner soup or you think it's thick enough after you've blended everything together, feel free to leave the konjac flour out. Nice. You can use any sausages you prefer. You can buy them uncooked and cook them at home before adding them to the soup. Um, or you can, as what I do often, is is just buy pre-cooked ones, chop them up and put them in. So there you go. A steaming bowl of hearty keto goodness in literally 15
0: minutes. That's fantastic.
2: Dinner is done.
0: I actually have a recipe to share today.
2: Uh Uh-oh. Did you get a note for that?
0: A note?
2: A teacher's note?
0: Oh, a teacher's note. Like, uh, I need to (laughs) ask permission. permission. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why, yes, I did. I'll get Mr.
2: McHenry to write you one real quick.
0: I got a kitchen pass. And uh, this is something that I didn't mention in How Was My Week, because this basically took a whole day. So... Before keto, I was a fan of a certain drive through fast food chain that starts with when and ends with D's. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I don't want to give it away, though. And they have this spicy Asiago Ranch chicken club sandwich. And I was just addicted to these things. So the non-keto version, the one that you can get at Wendy's, is a spicy, like, cayenne, um, crispy chicken breast with uh, ranch dressing, bacon, lettuce, tomato, and a slice of Asiago cheese. If you don't know what Asiago is, that's kind of like Parmesan. It has that flavor to it, but it's a little softer than the really dry Parmesan. So anyway, I set out how to make one of these or approximate one of these with, uh, with keto, a keto version of it. And now I got to say, this is a work in progress. This was my first iteration. And Carrie, I actually like some feedback from you. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, as to how to make it better. But the general gist of it is how I did the crispy chicken was I tried to make a very tender chicken breast, you know, that's brined and sous vide. um, and, And that didn't quite work the way I wanted it to. You know how sometimes when you have a chicken breast, it's just soft and you don't have to tear it with your teeth. And then other times it's dry and, you know, it feels like you have to chop it up with a knife and fork and it's not juicy. Mm -hmm. So mine came out somewhere in the middle and I was a little, so I want to figure out how to make that. And, And I wanted to use chicken breast and I know it's lean, but I just wanted to soften it somehow. So, I'm going to go back to the drawing board with that. But in order to be crispy, rather than frying it, you know, in the pork rind, parmesan, uh, egg wash thing that I usually do with fried chicken, I decided to put some olive oil down in a cast iron pan and sprinkle Asiago on it and make this giant Asiago cracker that is cooked in olive oil. So, it was browned exactly like the outside of the chicken. Plus there's your Asiago. It's crispy, it's crunchy. And I also added cayenne to it. So it would be spicy.
2: That sounds terrible. You, you all shouldn't do that.
0: I know. What, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I, I made oopsie bread um, just because I wanted a softer bread experience than the Julie bagels or Julie buns that I'm used to. Um, I haven't used your uh, recipe that you shared the other day that you said was really good for sandwich bread. So still a work in progress. I need to make the chicken more tender, but obviously the bacon, lettuce, tomato, ranch dressing, and the Asiago flavor was really forward, and it was very, very satisfying. I had two of them.
2: Wow. <laughs> well, we will look forward to the final version as soon as you have it ready.
0: Yeah. And and again, I don't know. What do you do if you want to make um, chicken breast very tender? How do you cook them
2: i norm i norm, i'm I'm a big pan fryer
0: uh-huh
2: i'm I don't have a barbecue yet I don't have a grill yet, so mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of like so i saute all my meat I just pan mm-hmm. fry everything
0: and do you find that chicken breasts come out tender enough when you saute them mm mm-hmm. okay
2: i one one thing is i'd never 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 microwave chicken
0: oh I don't either okay. Do you brine chicken before you cook it? No. No? No. All right. Well, you know, maybe some of the fans have ideas of ways to make this better. Um, I'm not looking to take credit for it, but I thought it was a good idea to use the Asiago like this. And that part of it turned out really great. Now I just have to figure out how to make the chicken breast more tender and, uh, you know, maybe a better option for the for the bread it was fine you know but you know how oopsie bread is yeah you know it kind of falls apart and it's a little more eggy than you want it to be all right that's it that's the show of course if you have anything you want to tell us something we said wrong something you don't agree with some more research you found to support or refute anything we said or anything at all send it by email to dudes at two 2ketodudes.com.
2: And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at 2KetoDubes. Make sure to use the hashtag 2KetoDubes.
0: And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, go to forum.2keto.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com.
2: Also check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, if Facebook is your thing. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. And if you pledge $20 or more per month, you will have access to an exclusive Facebook group, 2 Keto Dudes Gold.
0: We also have a free Facebook fan page at fb.2keto.com, so go follow us there. And you can see all our podcasts and other videos, such as Keto Fest videos, on YouTube a youtube.2keto.com. Also, we now have an Amazon affiliate store where you can buy your favorite keto ingredients and devices by going to amazon.2keto.com and you can help us out at the same time.
2: And if you haven't already, please go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that's how new people get to know about what we do.
0: 2 Keto Dudes is brought to you by 2 Keto LLC who strives to support the low-carb community podcasts and other publications now listen up kids keep calm keto on and keto fest once a year
2: looking forward to seeing you all there
0: yeah we'll see you next time on two Two keto Keto
2: juice